Hello and welcome to another exciting and jam-packed episode of Modern Day Philosophers. That's right, I'm back. It's been a long time. I took a big break. I went all over the world, had a honeymoon, did a tour, and I figured time to get back to work. I'm Danny Lobel, and today's episode is fantastic. It's with a friend. I recorded this nearly a year ago, uh, but I've got a bunch of them sitting nice archives that I'm starting to release now that I hope you're going to really enjoy uh, with a guy who I met for the first time when we recorded this, but since then we've been together to Mexico to perform and to New Orleans to perform, and we've talked a whole bunch on the phone. We've actually become good friends since this, but you'll get to hear in this interview the very first time we meet. And this episode, of course, is brought to you by the fantastic and phenomenal Stand Up Records, the label that both myself and today's guest are on. So let's take a listen to this quick ad from Stand Up Records. You know, here at Stand Up Records, when we say we have the best names in comedy, we're not messing around. In fact, we were there first, with comedians who went on to become household names. Names like Hannibal Burris, Maria Bamford, the Sklar Brothers, Doug Stanhope, Mark Marin, and Lewis Black. So why not head on over to StandUpRecords.com or Amazon.com or the iTunes Music Store and pick up a classic CD, DVD, or download of the best comedians working today. And check out some of our other artists, because you never know who the next big thing will be. That's StandUpRecords.com. There you have it, stand-up records, the best, simply the best in stand-up comedy recordings. You have to go and check out standuprecords.com and get yourself some nice albums for the holidays. Okay, look, you've waited long enough, why make you wait anymore? Without further ado, except for the intro song, here is my interview with the fantastic Mr. J.T. Haberset. Enjoy! Welcome to Modern Day Philosophers. Modern Day Philosophers. Having failed to pay attention in school, Danny Lobel, now older and wiser, will attempt to learn basic philosophy 101. Our young hero will be joined by today's top comedians, philosophers all their own. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Danny Lobel. Modern Day Philosophers. Feel good? You ready? I feel good. Yeah. I'm feeling good. Good. JT Haberset. <laughs> you got it. Haberset? You nailed it. Yes. It's usually people go with Haberstat or Haversat. They usually mess up the B or add an extra T. See, I would never do that to you. I know. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting along swimmingly. This is the first time that we've ever met. And we have shockingly a lot in common. Yeah, it's like like a, a scary amount of, of backstory. Actually, it's pretty cool. This, I think, I've been doing the podcast for like over two years now, mm-hmm. and I think you have the distinction of being the first guy to be on the show that I don't know anything about and I've never met. <laughs> not not to your detriment, you know. Obviously, <laughs> no, no, that's cool. I mean, I've learned that you've done a lot of great stuff, and you're obviously a hilarious, thanks, great comic. But uh, you're the first one who someone said, "Hey, you ought to interview this guy," mm-hmm. and I didn't say. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. That means through, a lot, man. It came through a really good friend of I, ours. I know people. I mean, but but yeah. no, I appreciate that. I mean, it's uh, it's not uncommon for me to kind of fly under the radar, uh, in the in the general sense of of comedy because I don't do a lot of clubs. I'm kind of the, the right. rock rock venue guy, even though I do comedy clubs too. You have that kind of rock vibe, which is cool. 
Cool. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, uh, I think that just comes from doing it for so long in that vibe. And a shirt that has patches on it. That do, oh, yeah. I do <laughs> have that. I had to look down. I'm like, do I? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Part of my merch is I sell work shirts instead of t shirts. Oh, really? It's got a cooler, you know, I don't get all. I don't want to get all Cali, man, and just go with the vibes, man. But like, it's got a it's got a cooler aesthetic, I think, and uh, people seem to be like, "Holy shit, is that a a, a work shirt?" Like, yeah, <laughs> you know. And they really, if you know, I've got a place in in uh, the Carolinas that I just use for used work shirts, and they cost about the same to me as making T-shirts, and they're cooler. That is cool. So yeah, I had to look down and see what I was wearing though, because I've been on the road and I have no idea. I'm like, yeah, I do. A, I'm how cla- long? I'm classing it up today with buttons. How long have you been on the road for? Well, um, on this specific stretch, I'm out with Miska, uh, Mishka Shibali, uh, my buddy. He's a musician from New York City, and also Jay Whitecotton, who is uh, one of my favorite comics in the world to tour with. He's from Austin, Texas, and just signed to Stand Up Records. And uh, so we've been out for about 10 days, and we've got another nine shows or so, I think. It's all one-nighters. We don't take any nights off. And then, uh, and then Mishka and I go our separate ways, and I've got about a week at home, and then I'll go out for another three weeks of one-nighters. And this past October was my longest run ever. I did five straight weeks without a night off. Wow. With, uh, a lot of those dates were with Junior Stopka out of Chicago and um, Joe Stats out of Austin, Texas. And so, yeah, you know, I, my schedule is such as opposed to, like, the club thing where, you, you know, fly in, do Wednesday through Saturday, fly home. You're a true road dog. I'm a road dog. Yeah, That's I cool. just, you know, I did one-nighters all over, and then I'll take, you know, six weeks off and be at home with my wife and my dog and my crazy cats, you know. How long have you been married? I've been married a decade. Wow. You, been you're together. doing it, man. That's yeah, great. Yeah, it's good. She's, she's the best. I mean, if, uh, well, she's very independent also in her own way. How long were you with her before you got married? We were together a long time, like eight years. So we've eighteen together, years. We've been together since college. Yeah. This is amazing. This yeah. is a beautiful story. It's crazy, right? And and she's cool with the fact that you're on the road so much. Yeah, I mean, she's encouraging. I basically last year, I was working marketing, uh, doing marketing at a place uh, when I wasn't on the road, you know. And it was it was flexible enough that I, you know, it was it was a steady income thing when I was home. And then they basically. Um, they basically uh, got bought out by a different company and the, the environment changed. And I was at a crossroads where it was like, well, I can't, I either have to, you know, do this job or, and not tour as much or kind of make a go at it for real. And she was the one who was really encouraging me. She's like, you, you need to quit this stupid job. It's you're making you miserable. It's not what you want to do. So you've only been a road dog for a year. Well, I've been no, I've been road dogging it since 2008. The job was the new thing. Oh, okay. The job <laughs> the was the job like, came into the picture like two years ago. That's amazing. And uh, so you you I took, took a pause from from a rock and roll life to take a regular job to take a rate. Well, that, for so that so that's interesting. Like yes. there's this moment in your life where it changes and becomes super normal. Well, it, yes. I mean. Um, on paper, yeah, but it was it was the type of thing that I had done freelance for them. Compl- the, fir- the, the job that I ended up taking, I had worked for them on a freelance level where I actually didn't go into the office for an entire year. I worked completely from the road sending them content, you know, because my background's in writing and editing. Okay. And, um, you know, I ran a magazine for a long time and stuff. So Me too. That's one so of that's, our things. One of that's our one things. of our things. One of our things. And so, um, so I just provided them content. I literally never met anyone at the company for a year, even though they, they were... So wasn't Boston. that normal? Wasn't that normal. I was just on the road, and just it was a great way to make extra money because I'm in the van so long. Anyway, I just... So were you touring at the same time that you were doing marketing? Yes. But when I went full... They, they basically... I came home, and I had a stretch where I was like, I need a little bit of break from the road. 
for like six months. I'm going to just write mm-hmm. and take some time off. I need to make money when I'm home. And uh, they said, look, we know you are all about the comedy thing. We, th- we think that's awesome. We want to create this part-time position for you so you get benefits and stuff and you can go on the road whenever you want. You don't have to take vacation time. It's, you know, work from home, be in the office too. That's great. It was perfect. My manager was fantastic. I still, he's still a very good friend of mine, Trey Hugley, uh-huh. uh, out of Austin. Great dude. His background was in, uh, he did acting and stuff. So, you know, um, they got it. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And, uh, and I think I added a little bit to their office culture as far as being the, the road guy that wasn't afraid to make it, you know, funny in the office and not. You're the you know, cool guy in the office. I wouldn't go as far as to say that, but yes. There was a, was there a cooler guy? <laughs> no. <laughs> so then it's you. It's <laughs> a weird thing. To, yeah, yeah. I, I was. They they were stoked that I was there. You know, when when the corporate yeah. heads came down, I was the guy that they would introduce. This is our comic. You know, that's, that type of thing. That's like a great position to be in when everything is going well in the company. It was the <laughs> most ideal situation you could get. Yeah, it's like I could wear whatever I want to work because it wasn't like it was private sector for the most part. Like mm-hmm. we didn't see the public, so I could just you know I could wear headphones, listen to podcasts, and listen to music all day. Listen to I could listen to Black Flag and write content and then leave and get paid very well. Yeah. And uh, enjoy everyone I work with. And then basically the, the climate changed uh, in that the company got bought out and it became a lot more, you know, slow things like dress code implementation and no more working from home. And this is all within the course of six months? Yes. This is from <laughs> April of last year. And I left in September. It's so like, amazing how things can change so rapidly, yeah. you know? And it was all the same people there. It was just the, the vibe change. But it was also my career, comedy-wise, was at a point where I was getting a lot of offers and was, you know, it was I was going to have to use vacation time and stuff like that. And it was really a one or the other. It really came to a crossroads. And I was just like, well, this is, this is silly. It's time to go. It's time to go. Um, but it was also, at the time, the most money I've ever made in my life. Yeah, and so to leave that for the road of one nighters is, you know, a little bit scary. But my wife is nothing but amazingly supportive. So we both had magazines. We both mm-hmm. both worked in radio. Yes, and we've both done many interviews. Many interviews, and and we're been both signed in, to Stand Up Records. We both signed to Stand Up Records. Both uh, comics. Both been interviewed a bunch of times and yep. interviewed people a bunch of times. Both like dogs. Yeah. <laughs> but 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 I want to talk about the interviewing for a minute. Sure. So what do you like about interviewing? Because obviously, you know, you wouldn't have done so much of it if you don't like it. I really like it. I mean, it's... Well, part of it is the, the selfish thing of I'm a, I'm a mega music fan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it gives you the in to meet, uh, to meet your heroes. You know, it's... It's, uh, um, it's, it's the in... You know, when I, when I was working in radio, I would do some interviews and stuff here and there. But, you know, I've done shows with Henry Rollins. And when I was a kid growing up, I was, a, like I said, a black flag kid. I was an East Coast hardcore kid. And uh, Rollins' spoken word stuff had a huge effect on me as far as, like, my approach to stand-up early on. And so I got a call from DreamWorks Records, and they said, you know, you want to come down and interview Henry for 45 minutes in New York City tomorrow? I said, Yep. And I got on a train and I went down to DreamWorks Studios and uh, his follow-up interview had canceled and said, well, you can have that too. So for two hours, it was just Henry Rollins and I in a room at a table bullshitting. And you know, the first thing he said was, no questions off limits. He totally put me at ease. Mm-hmm. You know? And this is this is years ago. I mean, this is this is before Henry's mellowed as much as he's mellowed now. He was still kind of scary. It's, it's a know? shame because when, when you walked in, you said, very few questions you're allowed to ask, very few. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm very... <laughs> Very limited. Yeah, you got you got the one sheet, right? You got the you got the advance on this interview. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, for me, that was like such a pivotal thing as as a music fan. And you know, just meeting. I mean, you know, Mike Patton from Faith No More wore an altercation shirt in front of fifty thousand people in Europe at a festival. You That's know, great. Altercation being your record altercation label. being my record label and my comedy tour that I head up and the name of the magazine back in the day. You know, stuff like that. Just you know. Things that, but do you think there's uh, something more than just wanting to meet people that you like? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm, uh, that's on the surface. The surface is yeah. the the fanboy in me saying I want to meet this person, but not for a uh, an ego stroke of like, look, I'm hanging with so and so. You know, right. that, so that's why? gross. I I'm really fascinated by what you know makes people that I really admire tick. Be it comics, be it musicians, be it uh, you know people like yourself that do all, you know, multifaceted things, you know, mm-hmm. it's, um, I, I like finding out strange things like, like Mike Patton. When I met Mike Patton in person after interviewing him many times on the phone, he's a huge foodie, mm-hmm. you know, that that's fascinating to me. You know, it's like the guy from <laughs> faith, no more and Mr. Bungle, you know, we talked for 35 minutes about barbecue, you know, like just cool right. common ground shit like that. And, uh, and also it's just, uh, I like spending time with, people that I find interesting because I think, you know, 90% of humanity is gross. <laughs> and <laughs> and I, it's I'm the not, dark side of it. It is. I'm not a big fan of people. Um, that's why I love dogs so much and why I relate. To, you know, the people that I think are doing really cool shit yeah. or make me laugh or are blazing their own path, I, I admire them. And I, that's what I'm trying to aspire with my own career. And, like, I want to hang with those people and just kind of, you know, rub off on each other in terms of, well, you know, what was your path to where you're at? And, you know, right. just just common ground in that. But, yeah, I mean, the, the star fucker angle of it is, you know, I, I'm I'm very hesitant to be like, you know, Captain Name Drop because I know it can come off as that. Yeah, I, I, you know. I, I think I used to be more worried about that. I don't care anymore. Because, well, I don't care either because we're... In, because we're, that's <laughs> what we do. That's what we do. Exactly. And exactly. If, you, if you're interviewing interesting names and you want to talk about them, I mean, that's, that's the... Part of the fun of it, I think. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I, I didn't start, like, you know, like I said, to stop the magazine a while back uh, just because the nature of print and some of our distro had ripped us off and financially, you know, it's cost thousands of dollars every time to go to press and you mm-hmm. can only, uh, you know, keep the dream alive for so long till you say, okay, A, A, we felt like we had reached a pinnacle of everything we wanted to say had been said. I was running out of people that I wanted to interview. That happens, and yeah. And also the expense, blah, blah, blah. But uh, I'd really drag feet on starting a podcast. I run a podcast called theroadpodcast.com. And um, everybody was encouraging me to do it forever. And I was like, no, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Every community has one. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And finally, I started doing that this past August. And it's <laughs> going great. We're up to like 20,000 downloads it's in a great. few months. It's great. And now I love it. And I'm obsessed again with just interviewing people. And me, I mean, like today, we never met before today, and this is awesome. Like, I feel like I have a new friend immediately yeah. and a lot of stuff in common. It's like cool. I'll tell you one distinction, though. I, I, I think uh, one place where we don't see eye to eye is I figured out recently that I absolutely love people. Really? Yeah. Wow. How I do you love, do it? I love people. How do you do it? I don't know. I, I think you weren't I, at our show last night. <laughs> I was wondering, like, why I interview people and why why do I keep doing this after all these years? And I, I'm yeah, but sort you're... of satisfied that people who I want to talk to, with very few exceptions, you know, yeah, I'd love to interview Mike Myers or Bill Murray, but there aren't too many. Huh, sure, there aren't really too many people who I'm dying to interview. 
but but I mean th- and, that's that's a a thing of like a common ground off the, like you know we never met each other before today but right, right. there was an assumption that we're gonna have stuff to talk about yeah like would you want to go interview the the crotchety old lady on the bus that's just meh. you know that's what yes. I mean I don't really, yeah I would want to interview her, her. Oh, I not would. me I'm keep I, walking I like, <laughs> see that's the thing because I thought for a long time maybe that I was more like you mm-hmm. maybe I don't like most people and I just like. Right. To look for these little gems of people to talk to because sure. most of it you don't want. Yeah. And as the years go by, I realize I love everybody. I love to talk to everyone. Man. I, I like to talk to the crotchety old woman on the bus. I, <laughs> <laughs> I Yeah, I mean, part of that is probably getting older. I mean, I know what you're saying in that. I've mellowed a lot in ways that I'm like, if somebody's combative with me, I usually, I'm just like, you know... I'm not getting paid to engage with you. So I'm just, fuck off. I'm just going to go about my day, you know? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I, I, I'm a comic, so I observe a lot. You know, I, I kind of take in scenes and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I don't always engage or comment on it. if somebody's being a jerk in public. I'm not like, hey, you, you're being a jerk, you know? <laughs> but I, that'll be in my brain. And I just feel like I see a lot of shitty things that humanity does. And it's, it bums me out. Um, so I do tend to... It makes me curious more than it bums me out. Like when I see I the shitty too. things, I'm like, yeah, I want to know because I th- I think most people operate off the assumption that what they're doing is right and good. Absolutely, they do. So in most people's brains, they're good. So even the bad people are good in their uh-huh. own minds. Yeah. So I want to understand how bad can be good. Well, that's part of the thing that that bums me out about humanity is that that the level of self involvement, which is a weird thing to say as a comic because you know you're all about <laughs> you know yeah, everybody. We're all lone wolves, you know. We're all right, yeah, and you have to be an exaggerated, bigger version of yourself on stage. That that's the, that's the gig, um, which I understand. If you if you don't have the confidence, you don't believe in what you're saying. Nobody else is going to, and no one's going to laugh at it. But um, people are so self centered. Uh, you know, in general, and just so me, 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 me. And I think, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's always been that way to a degree. You can't say, oh, this new generation, even though I think the millennials are horrible. Uh, I, it's it's always, people have always been kind of shitty. And there's always been good people in shining lights that, you know, save it for the rest of it. But I, I don't know, man. I just, on a given day, if you know, if I walk through the mall once in a while on a, you know, downtime just to look. <laughs> I'll sit in the food court and just watch. It's and a I'm great like, place to get jaded. I'm amazed. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, but that's... Yeah. The majority of culture, you know, you see why, you know, Creed sells a million records. Yeah, somebody's buying all this shit. But yeah, it, it's like. But check this out. Yeah. You're, when you're looking at those people in the mall. Yeah. You're one of those people in the mall. No, I understand. And, and when go somebody to goes to the mall and they're looking at people in the mall saying, man, look at all this human garbage. Mm-hmm. The day that you're there looking at them thinking that they're looking at you thinking you're one of them. Oh, but they no, don't know yeah. that you're actually a real interesting guy walking around the mall. Yeah, and I never want to wear a sign saying, look at me. I know, you know, I'm, right, not, I'm but, not very extroverted. But my point is that maybe all these other people are also interested in people walking around the mall. Uh, maybe there's only like really three bad people that, <laughs> in the mall. I should quantify what I'm saying then as far as like, I'm not you know? like, I'm not looking at somebody in a fanny pack and be like, look at that dick. I, I'm basing it on like, 
people's actions, like how they talk to their kids, you right? Know, like how they how they interact with the poor teenager selling them the the burger behind the counter. But it's all so interesting. Know? Like you know why yeah, why are they talking to their kids like that? Because they're dicks. They, well, maybe maybe they were <laughs> maybe they were like abused as kids themselves, and yeah, well, what's their what's their story? Possibly you know, in the sea, but that's where I you don't know because I don't care. I'm just like, well, yeah, that uh, may be the cycle may continue, but you're a horrible adult right now, and I don't feel pity for. But you. that's only one aspect of them that they might have some yeah. really great aspects of them too because <laughs> you're a better person than me I, we've I, all got yeah. crappy aspects of ourselves too so you're getting the spotlight on the crappy part yeah. of their of their existence absolutely you i don't know? put myself I on any know. sort of like i i used to be more like you like i yeah. said in terms of how Bitter i'd see and jaded and <laughs> how i'd see it all but yeah. I, I i've really changed and i mean uh, i think that's awesome don't get me wrong i wish i could be a little more i, I i'm very empathetic you know i like i I generally give people the benefit of the doubt yeah. a lot, but I'm just bu- I'm just let down a lot when I do that, you know. <laughs> and uh, I don't want to put myself on some sort of hero of humanity pedestal right. either. I definitely can come off as a dick if I'm in a bad mood and somebody, you know, we gets are. everybody can, you know. I yeah. I definitely can. and sometimes because I am fairly quiet off stage a lot of the times. That can that can just come off as being arrogant if people know you're a comic and you're just like, hey man, how's it going? And mm, you just gotta stick to yourself. Sure, sure. What's his deal? Does he think he's king shit? Oh, that's now? happened to me too. That's r- you weird, know where right? you where you just want to be quiet. And you're like, quiet. you know what? Let me let me let things be and and be peaceful. Yeah, and suddenly and then, you're being a dick. <laughs> now you're a jerk. You know. So, <laughs> but you know why? And I'll say I'll say that I think it all ties together. Uh-huh. It's because people are not giving you the benefit of the doubt. They're not assuming yeah. the best of you. So when they see you being quiet, they're assuming you're judging because they, their own insecurities or whatever. They're sure. saying, "Why is this guy being quiet with me? Am I not good enough f- to get this guy's attention?" Right. You know, and and so they're assuming the worst in you. Yeah. But it's the same mistake that you're making when you go to the mall. You're assuming the worst in everybody else. So <laughs> I, it's it's this thing that we're all going around the world assuming the worst of other people, and that's why I changed. That's that's really it. I think I started assuming the best in people. And hoping that they're going to assume the best in me, well, and it's a very optimistic uh, and uh, I applaud you, know, you for that. And ideological I think, I think idea, of the two, that is absolutely the way to go. I just know that I'm so set in my ways by this point. And I you don't. Get a, I don't believe in that either. I no longer believe in sent. So I just. I was telling you before the podcast. I just came back from Jerusalem. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. So I went there to sort of like try and have some kind of a spiritual awakening of some sort and mm. and uh, connect. To, to being a Jew and connect uh-huh. to uh, some something greater. How did it go? It, it went well, but the thing that I connected to the best was was I was on a hike with a bunch of people, and you you could tell, but from looking at me, that I'm pretty overweight and uh, not necessarily your best candidate for for going for, on a for hike, a hike with. Sure, you know, okay. You might say, you know what, I don't know about going on a hike with this guy okay. because uh, he's going to slow down the whole hike or whatever. Right. So I, I went on a hike with them, and I was, I was in negative headspace the whole way there, like uh, like I don't want to hike. Like I don't, yeah, I don't want to hike. I can't believe I'm being dragged into this. Right. These guys are, uh, you know, just, let's just sit there and were these and friends study. of yours, or were they no, just no? It's a program. Program. Okay. I went on a program. Gotcha. And there's four of us, and uh, I was like, you know, came here to study. I didn't come here to hike. I want to. Uh, I want to understand things. I want to. Be philosophical. Right. I don't want to be climbing a mountain. This is this is stupid. So I'm I'm really stuck in this negative thinking, and I'm just sitting there quietly to myself the whole time. We get to the hike, 
and everybody else is like excited for the hike, you know, <laughs> and and that makes me even angrier because <laughs> now I'm like, you know, I'm alienated with you so from far, them. Man. Okay. I'm, I'm the non-hiker too, but so so we all start start hiking up this hill, uh-huh. and there's uh, all these stone steps on the hill, on and off. And then it's just hill, then it's you know stone steps again, mm-hmm. and uh, and everybody's uh, in good shape with me, and they're all kind of just going up and enjoying it, and I'm like. I'm like huffing and puffing and trying to get up this this hill, and I'm so angry and I'm thinking to myself like, uh, look at these uh, these jerks, you know? <laughs> they don't even uh, they don't appreciate what I'm going through to to right. do this thing. And then I had this thought as I was going up there. I was like, I bet you. I said to myself, I bet you this hike would be a lot easier without the negative thinking. Sure. Like because it's just another level that's making it more difficult. So I'm like, let me just try to not think badly about them because th- this really has nothing to do with them. Right, right, right. And let me not think badly about the fact that I have to do this. Let me just just do this just and see how bad it is without the negative thinking. Right, flip it. You know, just physically, no mental anguish, just physical anguish. Let yeah. me get rid of the mental problem, the, the mental uh, heart, uh, whatever the word is. Yeah, yeah sure. The toughness, the, the right. mental toughness. I don't <laughs> the know. Fortitude, right? Yeah, right. And uh, and it was amazing. It wasn't nearly. It became about twenty five percent as tough as it was. Uh-huh. Like yeah, I don't know. I I don't know math, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're talking. To, we have more in common by the minute. Uh, it just was so much easier. It was now. I was not having this internal conflict. I was just right. dealing with. Lifting one leg and then the other leg and continuing up the hill. Right. And then I started feeling really good about it. I was like, this is great. Uh-huh. I, I'm still huffing and puffing, but I'm like, you know. Feeling all right. I'm, I'm all right. I'm okay with those people. I'm at peace with those people who are ahead of me on the hill. Mm-hmm. I'm at peace with the hill. I start looking around and I'm enjoying the scenery. And I'm like, this is, ah, these, these stones are like thousands of years old. This is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I just started just completely focused on all right lift your other leg lift your other leg keep going keep mm-hmm. going and i'm doing this and i'm and i'm getting more and more positive minded as i'm doing this it was like a very interesting flip yeah. for me because yeah. i my whole life I, that i can remember i never changed on the hill you know like <laughs> i was always negative the whole way there right you know i mean i, I yeah i definitely know what you're saying there cuz like um I, I do shows quite a bit with this guy, Joe Sib, who runs Cy One Dummy Records, and uh, he's all about the PMA. His whole thing is positive. Joe Sib is like the most positive dude I've ever met. So I, I like working with Joe because he rubs off of me in a good way. Um, but I should also say uh, I've mellowed a lot from when I, like, I was, you know, the angsty mm-hmm. 20-something, which, you know, the, the, I get the tag of the punk rock comic quite a bit for a reason because I kind of come from that world, but also my... Uh, my attitude, I guess. But I, 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 you know, I think what you're saying is right. I just have a hard time doing that. And I don't, I, I try and be optimistic with things. I really do. Uh-huh. I don't walk into a thing and say, oh, look at all these jerks, you know, look at all these, you know, scenesters or whatever. <laughs> I, you know, if somebody comes up to me that I, I'm like, I'm not going to have anything in common with this guy, yeah. I will still say like, hey, man, how's it going? You know, and give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm not going to be like dismissive immediately. But, uh, and a positive attitude, like what you're saying, you know, like most comics, I deal with depress- depression issues, you know, mm-hmm. and and sometimes that's the difference between staying in bed all day or, you know, saying, hey, sla- you have to slap yourself in the face a little bit and say, you need to get up. 
right. and take the dog for a walk or, you know. It is really dragging know. one foot in front of the it other. It really yeah. is. And then eventually the rest of your brain and your body chemistry and your, your, your uh, failing liver catches up with you. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, I, it's, I, I certainly don't sit in my house brooding about my <laughs> hatred of humanity like some, right. you know, sad supervillain. Uh, <laughs> I'm social. I have a lot of really good friends. And it was funny, too, that, you know, when we first met, we were talking before we started rolling here. You said, uh, hey, before you knew that I was from New York, you're like, hey, you seem like a, a Texas guy. And mm-hmm. that's really curious to me because uh, I feel like Austin has mellowed my New York out in a way that's probably going to add years to my life. And I'm I'm way... And I'm not quick to anger, you know, like I'm a ranty comic. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot for me to really lose my temper. When it goes, run for the hills. <laughs> but I think I think I've really, really like seen red lost my temper maybe three times in the last five years. Wow. Know? That's good. That's not that, those are good numbers. Yeah, those are good numbers. <laughs> and it never has anything to do with me. You can say whatever you want to me. Mm-hmm. But it's stuff like uh we had these awful neighbors who had a, a pit bull chained up in their backyard and they left it for like three days and didn't Ugh. water it, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And I went over there and I fed it and I gave the water was green and I gave it clean water and I called the police. I was like, this dog's abandoned. Mm-hmm. And the cops showed up and told me that unless the dog is physically near death, like visibly dying, it's not considered abandoned. And also I was lucky they didn't write me a, a trespassing violation. <laughs> Stuff like that, you know, like yeah. I just lo- lost yeah. my mind. Well, that'll do it. So, yeah. but so, but you know, I can deal. You know, a heckler, whatever, dude. You know, like I sleep like a baby every night. Yeah. Uh, and you know, comics talking shit or whatever. None of that stuff bothers. You can say whatever you want to me, but you know, innocent things like like animals or, you know, that's a good my, reason to be mad. I think. Right. You know. Yeah. If you don't mind, I want to go back and find out a little mm-hmm. bit about uh, about you. Sure. So, so I know you grew up in New York. Yep. And uh, and you moved out to Texas, but uh, I don't know anything from what happened in between. Where 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 in New York are you uh, from? I grew up in the Hudson Valley area, which is about an hour north of Manhattan. Um, I went to SUNY New Paltz, which my is... dad went to New Paltz. Oh yeah, okay. I always so get excited go. when I there you you go. Know, from New yep. Paltz people. Yeah, and so yeah, my wife and I both went to SUNY New Paltz. What did you study there? Uh, I got my degree in uh, media management. Um, so I, I was, I was the college radio nerd. I like was the music director there. I was the college radio yeah, nerd. Yeah, see, separated at birth, man. <laughs> Aside from the whole, you like people, I hate people thing. We're on the same page, but one uh, of us will come around to the other one at some <laughs> point. <laughs> Join me and together. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, so, you know, I grew up in the woods, you know, um, which I think actually contributes a little bit to my I like solitude and, you know, whatever. Yeah. But uh, but I was also, uh, like I said, a, an East Coast hardcore kid. I used to go to CBGB's all the time. Oh, I used man, to run CBGB's was awesome. Man, I, I saw place. so many shows. I saw, you know, Sheer Terror's last farewell show there. I saw, you know, the first time Murder City Devils came through. I saw them there, and I remember David Cross was in the crowd going ape shit, you know, uh, probably uh, on a substance. <laughs> but he was moshing. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, just so many shows. I used to run around the Bowery all the time, and uh, you know, East Thirteenth Street. And do shows at the Bowery Poetry Club. I never did. My first time I got on stage, I was sixteen years old, and that was in New York City at the uh, uh, Stand Up New York. It was a bringer show. First time I ever did stand up at a club up. was at Stand Up New York. Shut up! This I is was stupid. Fifteen years old. This is and ridiculous. it was a bringer show. 
come on. Well, of course, it was a bringer show, but the rest of that's... What do you think of that? This is though? crazy. I mean, this is this great. Is weird, right? Yeah. Yeah, I took the train down, and I... I took the train down. Sorry. <laughs> everyone, everyone took the train. <laughs> everyone took the train down. <laughs> that's too funny, man. I still remember the guy's name was Steve, who worked at the door. Steve at the door. And I was down there. Actually, I was, at a, I was leaving uh, a punk show, and I happened to be in front of Stand Up New York, and I was talking, just started talking to the guy at the door. Doorman, doorman Steve. I want to keep going. I talked to the guy. I talked to the guy. And uh, <laughs> it's so funny. Um, and then I killed a man. <laughs> See if I That's can. another difference yeah. between you. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Well played. And uh, I was like, you know, what does it take to get on stage? And he said, well, kid, you know, uh, do you have five friends? I said, yeah, I got five friends. I said, yeah. uh, email me. I said, okay. I went home and I emailed him and I got a phone call a week later saying, hey, we got a Thursday open and you can have seven minutes of stage time. If you bring four friends, we'll buy two drinks. And I said, I got a gig, you know. And you lost four friends. And I lost one. No, it, was, it went pretty good. Yeah. But, it, you know, that was the first time I ever got on stage and, you know, um, but yeah, so anyway, I, I... I wasn't implying that you did bad. I just know that when you start getting your I friends out to kill. those bringer shows... Oh, that was they, a short-lived they, thing. They, yeah, they, they're they not... They're in it for one or two shows, and I, then they're yeah. like, good luck with that, buddy. I figured out the math on that very quickly. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I get what this is. Okay. But I, at the time, you're so like stoked. Sure, know? yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I spent most of my youth you know, running around um, between upstate New York and, and the city. And uh, when I graduated, I got a job in radio in Woodstock, New York, the hippie mecca. Big family? My family? Yeah. Not too big. Uh, my parents are still together. Um, and I have a brother who lives in Austin now as well. He's an architect. Um, you guys didn't close. move out there together? You moved at different no, times? No. Well, I moved out there first, and he moved out about a year later. Um, he had he had friends separately out there and had visited us and enjoyed it. And you know, yeah. New York is very expensive. It's very, it's beautiful, but I don't like snow. Yeah. You know, it, Austin is all the benefits of a big city with the lower price range. And I mean, my house is about 25 minutes from downtown Austin, but it feels like you're in rural Texas. You know, it's like, I like the best of both worlds there. Yeah, that's know? great. And, um, so yeah, I mean, we were there for many years and I worked in publishing for a while while doing radio, uh, Nick Harcourt, who run ran uh, KCRW's Morning Becomes Eclectic show for many, many years. He was my boss when I first moved, uh, worked in radio in Woodstock. And when he left to take that job, he gave me Indie Flux, which was his his show. Uh-huh. He kind of passed the torch to me, which is a huge honor. And so I, you know, programmed my own show weekly for six years. Uh-huh. And... Um, had a little bit of a stint when internet radio was a thing and <laughs> they were trying to make a go of it. And Indeed. so I, yep. I was program director for a couple stations and stuff. And, uh, I remember those days. Yeah. You know, kicked all the DJs in the ass and, and got to program what I wanted to people to hear when people still listen to radio. And I worked at a publishing house doing editing and writing. And basically we were looking to make a move and my wife got a job offer. She flew out to Austin to interview for an art director position. And for the whole Texas? For Austin. Well, no, it's Texas Department of Transportation. So, yeah, all of Texas. Yes. All of Texas. All of Texas. It's, a it's based in art. Austin. That's one of the most powerful art positions. Like yes, ever. yes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I control art for yeah, the entire for, state of for Texas. For all of Texas. And so um, she flew out to interview, and she beat out 150 applicants, and they told her she got the job wow. on the plane. And so she flew back, and we said, well, 
that's that. We put in our two weeks notice and put our house up for sale and moved three weeks later. Fantastic. And so we've been in Austin for almost a decade. It'll be this October. It'll be 10 years. Wow. And I love it. It's ruined me on other places to live. I still, I will always be a New Yorker. Uh, but I claim dual citizenship now, <laughs> even though a lot of my Texas friends still call me a Yankee and bust my chops. Yeah. Um, but that's yeah, actually a thing there, which is hilarious. When I was the in, Yankee thing. Yeah. It's definitely a thing. And I'm always like, this is why you lost the war. <laughs> cause, cause this is so, like, I would never imagine calling someone what a rebel or a Southern, I don't know. <laughs> They're still stuck in it. It's weird. You know, I mean, we, I toured with, uh, I toured with this guy, Dirty Charlie, who's a, like an outlaw country musician. And he was busting my balls the whole trip to call me a Yankee and all. You get a lot more of that. I find in like places like Virginia and, you know, some parts of Georgia and stuff like Texas has its own, you know, cause it gets the same paintbrush as the South. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, people like Rick Perry certainly don't help that. I, ugh. But, uh, it, Texas, there's a very subtle vibe in Texas. It's just like, do whatever you want to do, but don't step on my property and leave me alone, you know, which <laughs> I, re- I can really, really relate to. Yeah. Whereas a lot of the other parts of the South, they have that whole like, oh, bless your heart, like weird back, <laughs> um, you know, passive aggressive. Uh, that New Orleans. Like... Yeah, don't know where you stand thing. Uh-huh. I don't know if this guy is being really nice to me or if he's telling me to, you know, fuck off in in a swarmy way uh and all the bible like texas even though it gets the rep isn't that like bible you know centric a lot of the places they're not they are but i mean it's it's not as much of an oppressive blanket like you feel it like when i'm walking Uh around mississippi i'm like oh you know what i mean (laughs) it's it's different i don't know it's a hard thing to describe but i feel very comfortable there do you Um, do shows in mississippi uh yeah although you know (laughs) It's it's weird and it can be scary sometimes. It's interesting. It's like such an interesting little part of the country. Like I just did a trip down the Mississippi Delta with my brother. Cool. And uh, we stopped in all these places like Indianola and okay, Cleveland yeah. and Jackson and yeah. all, all, Natchez. It's such an interesting part of the country. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, some of our I think two two of the shows that stand out the most in my brain from the last tour. One was the Baton Rouge show, and the other was uh, in Memphis. You know, we did Memphis, this place, the the High Tone, which is a great rock venue, on a Monday. And I'm like, man, I know nobody in Memphis. We have good locals attached, but I don't know. I don't know what to expect. Here's Memphis a, it's a is 400, cool, isn't 400 it? capacity room, and it was awesome. Yeah, it was so like the crowd was fantastic and packed and ravenous. And up for anything, and they it was just so that good. It's a great city, Memphis. So cool. And I think they're. I think. My brother and I both got the feeling we went to Memphis too. We both got the feeling that they're on the upswing. Like that city is going to be a. Big Everybody's calling Nashville the new Austin. Like there's a lot of like people moving there, even people Nashville, from Austin. Yeah. And 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 Memphis is kind of you know the sister down the street city. And in both those towns, man. Did you get? Chill. Did you go to Graceland when you were there? It was too expensive for our tour budget. We I think we drove by it, but it was like it was like something like sixty bucks to go in for the, and we didn't have the time or the money. I'll tell you one thing about Graceland. If you get a chance to go back, I went. My brother didn't want to go because it's expensive. Right. I I don't. And also, he's like, why do I want to be crammed in there with all these tourists? Right. Second most visited place in in America after the White House. Is it? Yeah. Holy shit. So I was like, I don't know. I'm not even. I'm not even a big Elvis fan. Right. But I was always a big John Lennon fan, and he was always a big Elvis fan. Okay. <laughs> so I figured I should right. go. <laughs> right. Sure. The Kevin Bacon rule. And it also kind of like, I was connecting the dots 
I came up with an interesting theory when I was in the South. Uh-huh. I think we wouldn't have rock and roll if it wasn't for slavery. So yeah, that you can yeah sure you can make you, that parallel. You know, they from the hymns of the, of of the slaves and the blues yeah. came jazz. From jazz came rock and roll. Mm-hmm. If we wouldn't have had slavery, we wouldn't have it'd Elvis. Be, it'd be all Pat Boone. <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking, like, anytime you ever go to a rock show, that's like a product of slavery. Like yeah, it's not you just can, you the can draw cotton, that line. You, you know, draw, it's not just the cotton. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, like yeah. it, they they did a lot. They mm-hmm. changed the world. Like, thank you, slaves. <laughs> it, it, it's the weirdest <laughs> <Give it> argument <laughs> for slaves. Give, give it up for the slaves, everybody. Give it up for the slaves. That's my new thing. Anytime somebody's some hacky, give it up for the troop shit. I'm yeah. Like, How about the slaves? Give it up for. Give it up. For, <laughs> can I? Can, can Kunta Kinte get a free drink tonight? Black people made music yeah. as we know it. Yeah, I mean, and but. Yeah, I mean, you can you can draw parallels to any any of that, uh, except maybe, I don't know, Western swing and stuff. There's always examples of that too. But you know, by and large, yeah, I totally agree with you. So 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 yeah. So I went I went to uh, I was trying to put to, put together these dots, and I was like, Elvis is a product of slavery, and I was like getting in my head. And I got I got to go to Graceland, and I went to Graceland, and I didn't know what to expect. Uh, like I said, I never really had connected with Elvis before. Right, and. I was the only one there. Really? It was really weird. It was like... Was, was it like, open? It was open. <laughs> you sure it wasn't closed? It was open. It was like surreal. I'm like, where is everyone? The only other people there were wearing headsets and they worked there. Are you sure this and wasn't the White House? You were in the wrong place? No, this is this is Graceland. <laughs> and I'm walking through Graceland. I'm like, it's just me and Elvis's ghost. Yeah. This is really strange. And I had all this time in all the different rooms. And That's I, cool. I started like just sitting down on the carpet... And and just taking it all in in the, in the different rooms in Elvis's house, and That's you wild. get this like walking tour narrated by John Stamos for some reason. What? It's, uh, yeah, weird. And uh, and it and it was just very strange that it was just like me and Elvis, and all of a sudden I started feeling this deep connection to Elvis because <laughs> that I, I just as a performer, right? I was like really thinking about like he put this room together. This is untouched since him, like. He chose this. Like, why did? Yeah. What What happened to this guy? Like, yeah. And we got. I got into this room, which is the room right next to the the. It's like the ping pong room. Okay. It's right the room right next to the last room he was in before he died, and it's just full of all his Vegas costumes in big glass cases mm-hmm. and all his gold records, and they go up. It's such a tall ceiling, and they just go up to like as high as your eyes can see. Yeah, you're just like surrounded by the hits of this guy, and there's so many of them. I just, it's you know, you walk through this giant trophy room. Yeah, and then there's like this room too, and it's the amount of hits he had. It's insane, and I just sat down there, and I kind of like meditated for like thirty, maybe more minutes. I was, I was just sitting there. All by myself, just me and Elvis, and he's kind of playing on the screen, and uh, and I was like thinking about like, this is as big as it ever gets in terms of right. show business. Yeah, and yeah. he's dead. Yeah, and it's mean- <laughs> and it's like meaningless. I don't know, and yet it's so powerful, and it affected so many people. And I was just having like all these thoughts, and I'm just sitting there, and I I don't know. I just walked out of out of uh. You know, the last thing you do is you visit visit him and his parents, the grave, and uh-huh. and I walked out of Graceland, and I was like, I a felt like man. enlightened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it I'm... probably prompted my trip to Jerusalem in some ways. There you go. When we were in Cleveland, we went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and there was a lot of stuff in there that I was the same same way. I was like, man, 
you know, um, uh, I'm looking at you know, David Bowie's cloak, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> Iggy Pop's pants, you know, just stuff that's like, wow, that's, that's it, you know? So, yeah, I mean, that stuff, I'm a fanboy, you know, <laughs> that stuff matters to me. I mean, right. it's, ultimately, it's just a pair of pants, but I'm like, you know, the context is just. It's, it's so weird when you look at it like that. You're like, what if these aren't really his pants? Yeah, what if just, these are just some pants from J.C. Penney that they put in a glass case, and now now I'm thinking, wow, look at those pants. I just choose to believe that they're the pants. <laughs> like the, it's like the Technicolor dream coat. There's no <laughs> magic in these pants. I'm, like, I'm going <laughs> to take your word on it, because otherwise it's going to bum me out too much. Yeah. It's yeah. it's so weird how like the clothing, just by being on the person, yeah. gains some kind of importance. Sure. Yeah. You know, But otherwise, it's just some... There's like a million shirts that look just like it that were on the rack. You just grab that one. That's it. And it's now like, that one's in a museum and the other ones are in a thrift shop. It's you like know? lyrics. You know, when I see lyrics to like, you know, Purple Haze written on a piece of, you know, notebook paper or whatever, mm-hmm. it's just ink on paper, but I'm like, that's, the, you know, just like, <laughs> just, ah. Yeah. I don't know. It's It's got a profound effect. I don't know why. And to some people, you know, um, you know, <laughs> like I said, I always call Doug Stanhope my Yoda of comedy because he's been really great to me and, you know, his, uh, Celebrity Death Pool sponsors my tours, and Doug does not like music at all. You know, he couldn't couldn't care less. Not at all. He's not a music fan. Although he does like Counting Crows, so I bust his balls about how awful they are all the time. <laughs> but like, you know, it's interesting though. Same with film. You know, some people love the movies. I'm a, I'm a film buff. Mm-hmm. My wife doesn't care. You know, she, I mean, she'll go to the movies, but she doesn't follow film at all. It's very interesting how. Uh, and some people, you know, Star Wars nerds or whatever, right, right, obsessive. You know. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. It is interesting, and just the fact that people could find so much meaning in something that means nothing to somebody else. Yeah, yeah, or, and you know, ultimately, you know, everything <laughs> is so individualized, though. You it's know, almost it's, like the Quran. I think of it like the Quran <laughs> means so much to most of the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't really mean anything to me. Yeah, I'm an atheist, so you know, it's all right. Whatever you know. See, but, I'm a believer, but mm-hmm. I but I also like. I don't believe in everything. I don't, I don't believe in a well, Quran. Right. I don't believe, you know. But it's also the type of thing that, like, you know, I, I would never be like, you're wrong. You know what I mean? Like, right, it's, just, right, it's right. so, like, whatever, whatever right. works for you. You know, like, that's, um, yeah. I don't know, man. <laughs> this is philosophical. It is deep. This is a good podcast. <laughs> Maybe we should get into the philosophy stuff. Then. Yeah, cool. Um, so we, we talked a little bit about uh, you being a punk rock guy. And yeah. uh, Alex uh, found a connection <laughs> from an old bit of yours that I watched. It is an old bit. Before we started recording. And I'll have you... I know it sucks to explain a bit, but I'll ask no, you No, that's to do fine. Anyway. This is an old bit. I'm happy to explain it. You want to explain it or you want to... Um, yeah, it? well, I'll set it up first. Uh, okay. Alex says, Seeing JT do his bit on how Screamo blank the blank bands aren't <laughs> real punk, I picked a philosopher of skeptical logic. Oh, boy. So, uh, so, so I'll have you explain the bit before we go into it. Well, the bit is basically uh, I toured on the this thing, the Vans Warp Tour. I was like one of like six comics that did that um, alongside my buddy Mac Lindsay and a couple others. And I mean, it was basically, you know, it's a traveling festival with 20,000 people every day and bands like Bad Religion and... Oh man. Uh, and so I was excited to do it. And But there's also the climate of what's considered giant air quotes punk rock has really changed with the new generation of stuff so i see a lot of bands that were quote unquote screamo was like the new term it was like screamy emo <laughs> and the term emo was 
Ugh. It was just like, you know, so appalling to me. Like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Gross. What is that? Yeah. Because, you know, I, again, I, you know, I was raised on minor threat and bad brains. And so um, it was really uh, gross to me that, that it was it was very pandering. And I didn't see any difference between hair metal and what they were saying. I know. Let me hear you scream. Ah, you know, like and it was just like, awful cliched music. And I don't like screamy stuff. It, uh, I just hated it. And part of it was just me being the old man waving his cane. Yeah. But all their names were like the worst elementary poetry and they're always like, you know, fire on the mountain or, you know, bleed the dream or escape the fate. <laughs> and so I used to call them blank the ba- blank bands because they're always, you know, like skin the cat or smoke <laughs> the pole. You know, like they're always something there. And so, yeah, I got this bit about uh, the blank the blank bands and because their names were so ridiculous and just like the, the worst open mic kind of <laughs> <laughs> journal scribblings. Yeah. And so that was the concept behind the bit. And then it you know it goes on a little bit to to play up the the uh, the yin and yang between their on stage. We're gonna rock your melt your faces off, and then <laughs> most of them being Christians, <laughs> just like they want to see the pit go crazy, but then they're all about the Lord, you know. Right. So that that's the crux of the the bit. So so it is, you know, very based in skepticism. Basically, yeah, yeah sure. Th- they're could. all a bunch of phonies, in other words. Yeah, they're all a bunch of phonies, and and just, yeah. I mean, like what? It was just very different from what what punk meant to me, you know. And like, having talked to you, I get it. Like I get where that bit came from because yeah. you are a guy who's walking around the mall and you're skeptical. <laughs> you're skeptical so it, yeah, like, and I also I'm aware that I'm the old guy too. Like I uh-huh. don't I don't expect. You know, th- that music and that tour right now aren't for me. You know, I'm not their demo. I mm-hmm. get it. And I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah. You know, but I, I was I was on it. So I was around it. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? So it was like, and they were very nice to me. The Warped Tour were, were awesome to me. So. Yeah. I, I think a lot of comedy is skepticism, though. I think really a lot oh, of, yeah. you know, we're always just looking for phony nonsense. Sure. So. Yeah. Calling out hypocrisy. I think people just really respond to honesty. And, you know, that whole emperor has no clothes thing. Right. Somebody needs to be guys saying... Are you seeing this shit? <laughs> you know? There's a fine line between just uh, calling out bullshit and comedy sometimes. Oh, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. So so the guy that Alex picked out for you here, mm-hmm. the philosopher of skeptical logic, is named William of Ockham. <laughs> I used to play Dungeons and Dragons, so I'm way with this already. <laughs> Willem of Ock, does he fight Tiamat? Like, how does this end? I, I never played Dungeons and Dragons. Really? I'm yeah. shocked. I, I probably should have. We're very different people. What was the... Man, I don't want to go too far. Yeah, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole. But what was the... What's the great appeal of Dungeons No one ever explained it to me. Oh, I can actually... You you know what it is? Yeah. It's like, uh, if you're not invited into the world of Dungeons and Dragons, there's no way in. That's true. That's (laughs) true. It can be very clicky. Yeah. Uh, I love Dungeons and Dragons. It had a huge effect on my life to this day because it... Well, A, it was... uh, You're using your imagination. You know, it's not... The board game thing of you know you won you know because people always say how who won today like nobody wins it goes on forever you know but you know I used to dungeon master a lot and you're you're writing worlds and adventures and stuff out of your brain. There's what is no the board. dungeon master? What the is dungeon it? master runs what are called campaigns. You could just go on go to the bookstore and buy a full adventure and then you read it you mm-hmm. know and you go this way and it's open ended and they do whatever. I would always make my own. 
So when I was, you know, when I was in sixth, seventh grade, I was writing stories and books and like, you know, it, it gave me a reason to write these things. And, uh, you know, it's, it's open-ended. So nothing is like life, you know, it's, it's totally open-ended. You could, you know, I'm going to jump off that Canyon. All right. You're probably going to die, but you can try it. Roll <laughs> the dice. You know what I mean? Like there's, so there's a, there's a grand storyteller. Yes, and that's, very, the yes. Junk, and that's the dungeon master. master. And that's what I would usually do. Sounds really cool. It is. It's awesome. I I, I would play to this day if I had the time. But I mean, for again, so what are the dragons and what are the dungeons? Uh, well, you know, the dungeon, it, the basic adventure of any D and D campaign is called a dungeon crawl. That's when you like, we just want to get, get together for the night and have some beers, or at the time Mountain yeah. Dew, and eat some pizza, and uh, you know, do a, an adventure you can finish in a night. You mm-hmm. know, like you slaying hobgoblins and casting spells and. You know, a dragon is like the ultimate bad monster. He's like, you know, if uh-huh. you run in, uh, you can, I played for years and you would never see a dragon. But if you run into a dragon, it was like, it had the most treasure and it was the toughest thing to kill. But couldn't like deal. the dungeon master just make a dragon appear? Yes, they could. Okay. Absolutely. Or she could. Yes, they absolutely could. You could do whatever you want. That's but why wouldn't they do it? Why not? Uh, it's kind of like fast forward to the end of the movie. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. if you, if you blow your load on that, first of all, unless you've been, you know, because your character is gain levels the you know the more you get experience points the more you've played mm-hmm. and so uh you know you get the higher experience points you get the more spells you get the cooler weapons you get all that sort of nice. shit and you know a dragon if you're a lower level thing will kill you in a second so it's like game over all right well and then you won't be asked I to gotta be make the ju- a whole new thing ma- master again and it's not like you know donkey kong or something where if you die you start over again game over <laughs> and you're, you're, you have to build a whole new <laughs> persona a character that you're you know yeah i was a wizard now i'm a dwarf or what you know i don't know how we got down this nerd path no it's interesting it's very interesting sounds like something i would have really dug i'm shocked that you never played it yeah but i didn't know people who played it so well you should go online and find some friends around (laughs) here and and try it and i guarantee you will love it it sounds like fun all right well let's talk about now now with that context william of ockham william of ockham that's what it was okay i'm like yeah Yeah. I don't know that guy. William of Ockham was best known for being <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons. I was say, for being a ninth level druid. <laughs> 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 to slay the beholder. He's best known for Ockham's Razor. Okay, I've heard of that. Which uh, I, I remember learning about on on a past podcast. Sure. Uh, uh, a lot. It's a logical tool. Okay. A solid theory has the fewest numbers of causes involved. For example. If you said, quote, the moon is made of rock, and I said, quote, the moon is made of cheese, mm-hmm. my theory leads to a lot more questions of how a cheese planet could survive, why the, why there'd only be one, et cetera, and then it all falls apart, right. presumably. Mm-hmm. So the, the razor boils it down to the simplest explanation, and it's usually the correct one. And without that logic, many fallacies thrive that could easily be taken down. Okay. All right. So, so you're with me, yeah? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. Occam tells us that the only exception to this theory is God, because he is the only philosophical entity <laughs> that is necessary to all theories and does not require justification. Therefore, our logic can only go so far before we need faith. Hmm. Logic and belief are both reconcilable as we need faith to believe in god the backbone of all theories and logic to use those theories properly 
interesting because when I was reading this, I thought that he was going to be an atheist. Yeah, just now. I, I, I thought didn't, I didn't see that that coming. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't see that coming either because usually when when I when I've studied these logical philosophers, they're usually logic. They'll say, well, if you can't prove God exists mm. through logic, then you know. Right. Yeah. But this is interesting. He's saying. He's he's saying that his own theory works until God because he must have felt like, look, I got a good theory here, right. but I believe in God, so everything but God. So he gets to get out, <laughs> so, he gets to get out of theory free card. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it. <laughs> yeah, okay, it looks like it. William of Ockham, who lived from 1287 to 1347, was an English Franciscan friar. And a, f- and a scholastic philosopher and theologian. Aha. He, there. uh, there's a theologian, the yeah. <laughs> Who is believed to have been born in Ockham, a small village in Surrey. I don't know where that is. That's near Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> good, good casino there. Yeah. <laughs> the promoter's pretty honest. Yeah, he's, they're and, uh, right. he's all right. He's all right. <laughs> Not a bad guy. <laughs> they give you some mozzarella sticks. Yeah, yeah, and try the crab legs. <laughs> He's considered to be one of the major figures of medieval thought and was at the center of the major intellectual and political controversies of the 14th century. Hmm. He's commonly known for Occam's razor, which we just talked mm-hmm. about, the methodological principle that bears his name and also produced significant works on logic, physics, and theology. In the Church of England, his day of com- of commemoration is the 10th of April. Sure. Is that a thing, a day of commem- commemoration? I, I celebrate it every April, <laughs> strongly. We uh, I shave my face and <laughs> with Occam's razor. <laughs> the four-blade uh, Occam's razor. The four-blade Occam's razor. <laughs> And then I uh, take a warm bath and uh, listen to some really depressing uh, music and mock kill myself with depression <laughs> with Occam's razor. Uh, that's interesting in, in the timeline of things when with the whole you know except for God, uh-huh. air quotes thing, because I I wonder now if he truly was a believer or if back then that would be you know. Considered he, he, heresy, he'd get his he'd neck ju- you just cut with get that razor, killed. So you'd always be like, "Here's this whole thing, except for God. God's cool. God's totally all right." <laughs> yeah. uh, because yeah. at the time, you couldn't just be like, "And uh, that kind of disproves God," because uh, you'd be just covered in mm-hmm. you know hot tar or whatever. Here's here's the thing on his political theory. Occam is also increasingly being recognized as an important contributor to the development of Western constitutional ideas. Hmm. especially those of government with limited responsibility. He was one of the first medieval authors to advocate a form of church-slash-state separation. Ah, see? Now I'm leaning more and more towards that. I think he just didn't want to... He wanted a get-out-of-death-free card by throwing the whole (laughs) except-for-God-God-is-great thing. Um, He was important to the early development of the notion of property rights. Occam was the first libertarian. I don't know if you know this. Uh, he, uh, I'm making this up. I have no idea what I'm saying right now. <laughs> he sounds like a tea partier. His political ideas are regarded as natural or secular. Oh, hippie. Holding for a secular absolutism. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting, interesting dude. Interesting stuff. 
I'm gonna start dressing uh, like him every April 10th. I'm gonna put on my <laughs> April 10th, my, my monk robe. Is uh, Occam Occam Day? Occam Day. I already celebrate Burns Night in January. <laughs> Occam Day. <laughs> May as well do Occam Day too. Yeah, throw it in there. Yeah, sweet. Let's see if it. Uh, so, so it's interesting to me. I think you might have something there with the uh, get out of death free card. Yeah. Because I, I as someone who does believe in God, uh-huh. I don't think it's necessarily something you come to by using, you know, logic. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. It, not yeah. that I'm. Not that I think it. Logic and God are are separate. You know, I think. I think it comes. I think there. Are, I I've come to believe that there are three parts. To a person, which is the physical, mm-hmm. the mental, and the spiritual. That's where I'm at with it. Well, I would definitely agree in the concept of a soul. Right. I mean, you know, I, like I, uh, not so much as a, you know, a ghost or what, you know what I mean? Like, uh, mm-hmm. like I don't believe in ghosts, but like the, I think the soul of a person is actually, is a thing. You know, I agree with you there. I just, the, the concept of a deity is me has always just been, well, I don't know. So then what, what is a soul in your opinion? I think a soul is just what makes up the humanity of that individual person, you know, I, I mean, I don't believe in heaven. I don't believe in hell. I think when you die, you die. And that's that. Um, I, I think humans are very selective in how they apply that to things, you know, like I, I this new Pope seems kind of cool. You know, he's been doing some interesting, cool yeah. stuff, which I never thought I'd say ever, <laughs> but he was like, you know what? Uh, dogs go to heaven now. <laughs> Did he, he, say he that? said that he's like, you know, we switched, we switched it up. <laughs> And now all you, dogs. Now, 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 now you see your pets in heaven. <laughs> I was like, you know, cool. You know, yeah. hey, the kid's not gonna cry anymore because for a while, you know, I remember my wife went to Catholic school and they told her, you know, only humans go to only humans go to heaven. <laughs> you, know, you, you could love your dog all you want, but he's just a dog. He's just an you know, he's an animal. You're a higher elevated being. Uh-huh. And that was such a bummer. I was like, what? And you know, you know, I don't know. I'm too much. And again, it's whatever works for anybody. I'm not. Now, does he just say all dogs go to heaven? All, all dogs, dogs go to heaven. Yeah, he just put, popped into the DVD. <laughs> <laughs> all dogs go to heaven, or does he does he say this is this is how I've come to that? I don't know. I I just saw the headline. I didn't really read further than that. You just saw a little just Italian added, kid crying added with to the his dog list of, uh, of, of interesting things the new pope is trying to 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 rattle up. Uh, but you know, it, the, that concept of me is 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 very silly. You know, like do, do animals have souls? I think absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, you have dogs here, you know, I yeah. have a dog, um, at the very least animals have personalities, you know, I think that's directly proportionate to the brain and stuff like that. You get really deep with this. You know, I have, I have a pet snake, mm-hmm. pet snake has no personality. You know, I'm a big <laughs> shark enthusiast. Uh, Me too. Sharks. Another common thing. I tried to go shark diving this past summer and got I 15 did. miles out, and uh, it was too big a waves. We had to go back. I did go shark you diving. You did? Oh, yeah. yeah, it went up on me. This is weird. We're in parallel universe <laughs> guys here. But, uh, you know, but you look at a shark, there's no soul or lack of a better thing behind that. I think it's just a brainstem and a feeding mechanism, and, uh-huh. you know, they thrive on instinct. Uh-huh. But you look at a pet cat or a pet rabbit or a pet pot-bellied pig or especially dogs pot-bellied pig friends in Texas right pot-bellied yeah. pigs right or goats whatever okay. and they have defined personalities and if you are an animal person like I am you can't hang out with a dog for a week and then tell me that that dog does not have a personality right and you have some sort of you know I don't speak dog dog doesn't speak me but you can communicate mm-hmm. you know what I mean like you can I don't know 
it's a very intangible thing. But I think you know that's whatever that is. That is intangible soul. thing. I I yeah that the you know? soul. So I believe the souls are 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 how you connect with God. I don't think it's through logic or through intellect. Mm. I think it's all like the you know like when you build up your muscles in your body, uh, it kind of clears your your brain a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. Because the brain's a muscle, but sure, you know, but it's not. But you could also just really study a lot and build up your brain, have a weak body, sure, you know. Yep. Mm-hmm. But I also think you do get a little bit something when you study in your body. You get a little bit, you get a little bit of boost, sure. And I and I think it. I think this soul, it's kind of like the same way. Like you can go and do things, spiritual things, and build up your soul, and then you kind of like the body and the brain kind of feel it too. And that in that way they all kind of work together, but I sort of see them as three separate entities that have huh. to like, and you can like, and that's how I think. Like, that's interesting. Yeah. Some people who 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 don't believe in a soul or anything might uh, have a very weak soul muscle. Sure. Almost, yeah, that's you know? interesting. Like, that's an interesting take on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, my problems with religion. I mean, like I said, I'm. Generally, I, I'm more agnostic than atheistic. I, uh, but atheist to me was a, was a, a tag that I latched onto early because, mainly because, of of religious people pushing on things that I thought were wrong. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I have gay friends. You know, don't tell me <laughs> absolutely <laughs> that they're yeah. awful people and damned to fire. You know, like I, you know, right. it, you know, stuff like that. Just I, I have no time for that bullshit. I have no uh, patience to even argue the point because it's a non-arguable point to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my attitude was, you know, if you're God or whatever, if that's their, their bag, then say you're right. Say for the sake of argument, you're right. I want nothing to do with that person. Mm-hmm. And you know, if that means I'm going to the fiery netherworld right on, unless I want nothing because that's a bad person. And you know, stuff like, uh, you know, timelines of the Bible and stuff like that. I'm like, mm-hmm. they, we have fossils. There mm-hmm. was not one dude with two animals on a boat, you know, shit right, like right, that. Right. It's just like, gah. So, but you know, when you come to spiritual matters, like what you're talking about for, um, that stuff uh, I find interesting. I don't have my, the natural, I'm a naturally skeptical guy. It's ingrained in me just how I am, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not changing my mind. I'm not, you know, they, they, the whole cliche of the, you're in a foxhole, you're on your deathbed. You're going to repeat. No, I'm not, you know? Uh, but it's it's interesting to me. Uh, I'm wired, however I'm wired, and I don't believe. But um, it's not to say that I, you know, that that's that's cool. You know, like I'm, I'm mm-hmm. I think that's awesome that you have like a, a a system of belief that works for you. I've that come to that over, douchey, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I've come to it over time, where I fi- where I figured out for a long time I couldn't understand why. Some people were very, very smart and believed in God, and some people were very, very smart and they were atheists. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I kept trying to understand, like, it can't be intellectual. It just can't be intellectual. Uh, it, well, I mean, I think the problem with a lot of, you know, the atheists that that really fly the flag uh, is that they're so intellectual that they appear robotic. You know, it's like, you know, you're very passionate about this and you're very well-spoken, and all of these facts you're showing make 100% sense to me, but you're not really likable because you're kind Weak of, soul. you're coming off as wicked, arrogant. And also just, I don't even know what it is. It's like, yeah, weak soul, I guess for lack of a better term, you know, and, uh, it's, it's, you're very clinical, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? You're not warm. 
And that know? compassion and empathy, I think, are functions right. of the soul. And so there's been there's been you know high profile atheists that I'm like I agree with everything you say, and I'm fucking stoked that you're taking this other in my head idiot to town. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I like you. Right. <laughs> you know, does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense you know? to me. Yeah. Um, whereas I've met people that are religious. Uh, like yourself, you're a believer. You know, I wouldn't necessarily call you. Maybe you're religious, maybe not. But I've met people who are religious and mm-hmm. believe, and even sometimes uh, subscribe to a, a dogma that, you know, we're going to avoid certain topics because we're going to disagree on things. Mm-hmm. That I think are really good people. I think they're really, you know, I don't think all priests are pedophiles. I don't think, you know, I think there's some people that do it for the right reasons, and they're really good giving people. Sure. Um, but, you know, it's, again, it comes back to the everybody's individualized, man. What I've come to believe in terms of what's religious is just trying to connect with God. Mm-hmm. That's what I believe. So anything, like what you were describing, these things that obviously, well, maybe, maybe not obviously, bother me as well, you know, anti-gay or right. the burning and hell. Yeah, and this you know, and that. I think these are bastardizations of religion created by human beings oh, with dude, agendas. Right. We'll be here all day if we go down you know, that path. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but I think religion at its pure core, it has nothing to do with, like I was saying, I don't connect to the Quran. Uh-huh. But the Quran is just a vehicle. Like It's almost like I'm saying I don't connect to like Nissans. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like. I, <laughs> It's That's like, awesome. you know, I, I, I like Jeeps, you know. There are I, a lot more airbags yeah. <laughs> associated with the Quran. <laughs> it's just a vehicle that I, uh, I wouldn't drive. Right. But it could work. That's my favorite analogy ever. But You know, yeah. it could work if, if you use it correctly. I would think to try, you know, there are probably things built in there that would say, do this and this and this, and you'll feel closer to God. Mm-hmm. I think it's just about building a relationship uh for the soul you know yeah i mean my basic building the soul muscle in other words my modest how i operate is i just try and be a good person that's the the end and the the beginning of my and and in that way and and just try and not you build the soul yeah yeah so you know but i you know i choose to do that without structure of a religion or a a belief in a god of course but but like you know it's 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 uh, just tr- try not to be a dick. You know, just try and be a good person. Try and be I, kind. Try and be, you know, generous. It's just basic. I, it's so weird because, again, being the punk comedy ranty dude, mm-hmm. people expect me to be Captain Attitude a lot of the times. And I, I'm huge on manners. You know, it's such mm-hmm. a small thing. Like holding the door open for somebody. Just, you know, thank you very much. Basic stuff. Being which, nice. Being nice. And yeah. when people are just jerks for no reason, that flips me like oh yeah it's such a simple thing it's not and it, and it can really change the course of your day <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. it's it's actually funny one of my neighbors uh texted me the other the other night and she said you know my son went to school i had i have to tell you the story my son went to school they're having an anti-bullying thing in effect you know and it said you know one of the core things was that they're trying to get across is don't try and judge people just based on how they look or whatever, based on the kids. Mm-hmm. And the kid's like, you know, maybe 10 years old. And he came home and he was telling his mom about this. And he said, you know, yeah, it's just like, you know, JT down the block. 
he looks like a big scary guy, but he's pretty nice. <laughs> and she texted me that. I was like, oh, right on. But you know, but that's basically <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. That was um, great. But yeah, I mean that's uh, yeah, I think we're pretty much on the same page, man. And it's, Yeah. I, I think so too. You want so we're, we're at the point here in the Yeah, how thing. do I tie this into screamo bands? <laughs> Uh, so you, you you want to read this paragraph? Sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, the paragraph. All right. Uh, the razor alone provides the ability to argue about every problem and teach us how to resolve every kind of sophism. S o p h i s m. Okay. Don't sophism know. and define the middle term of a demonstration. It frees the mind too from the chains by which, alas, it was constrained, and restores it to liberty. See, libertarian. For, for, <laughs> for just as chains bind up the limbs of the body and prevent them from performing the tasks for which they were designed, so false and uh, sophistical, again, arguments tie up the mind, as Aristotle teaches. Aristotle, his homeboy. Like, <laughs> likewise, this art uncovers the darkness of errors and directs the acts of human reason like a kind of light. In fact, when compared to light, it is found to be prior. Okay. For just as if physical light were blocked out, human actions would either be halted altogether or else random and often to the detriment of the doer. So are acts of human reason without skill in this faculty. So, huh. Oh, there's the, the sophism <laughs> note at the bottom. It's a uh, fallacious argument, especially uh, used deliberately to deceive. So, okay. Like making up, you're talking trash. <laughs> you don't know me yeah uh right um huh so yeah i mean it, it it's he he's really coming from a place of of logic it feels like is that right what, what is the sof the sophism is like somebody's trying to deceive someone purposefully it's a f uh it's an argument especially one used deliberately to deceive a false argument mm-hmm and he's using this sophism as as an analogy for chains. Am I am I connecting this correctly? Like chains that would hold you back from the um, truth. Am I putting that together? It was a little bit. What, what, yeah, the razor provides. It teaches how to resolve this sophism. So how to, how to so if somebody's coming at you and saying, "Hey, the Hobbit was really good," and you uh, you can <laughs> use. Well, I watched it, and that negates your <laughs> fallacious argument. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and thus freeing my mind from the chains. <laughs> and yeah. Um, but yeah, I, th I think it's basically like the razor of, right. of logic is your weapon to cut through the bullshit of what this guy's trying to sell you. I like how you made it a weapon. It's very Dungeons and Dragons. I know. I, and I had to bring up the stupid hobbits, dude. <laughs> no, it's and, great. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I wonder if the razor is the weapon you start with or it's the one you get when you're stronger. It's actually a razor plus three. Of holding. <laughs> that makes no sense. But um, I, I just like the terminology. Yeah. So I think what he's getting at is that the you know, you're armed with this amount of logic and somebody says, Hey, I've I've got a rabbit with three ears and you say, you know, I've seen many rabbits, sir, and uh according to Wikipedia they don't exist and are you gonna show it to me? Well, mm -hmm. no, I'm not. Well then have a good day. Yeah. And uh I, I choose not to believe you have three 
eared rabbit story. You know, I think that's what he's getting at. He's saying go go to the most likely scenario, whatever is logically most right likely. Yes. We'll go with that. Yeah, I think just I, cut the razor's a bullshit cutting razor. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> let's just cut. <laughs> you did a lot of a lot of Studio Fifty Four parties with the razor. All right, so we go on to the quotes now. Yeah, let's okay. do some quotes. Quote: It is pointless to do with more what can be done with fewer. That I agree with. That's why I tour with only a few people. <laughs> um, That's his whole razor argument right there. Yeah. You know, whatever the fewest steps to, to right. getting to a logical conclusion are. Right. But uh, yeah. yeah I, I agree with that. Sentiment. I agree with that. Yeah. 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 Um, let's see. Logic is the most useful tool of all the arts. I'm with you so far. Without it, no science can be fully known. For just as a mechanic who lacks complete knowledge of his tool gains a fuller knowledge by using it, so one who is educated in the firm principles of logic acquires at the same time a greater skill at this art. Yeah, I agree with him as well. You know, I like calling logic an art. That's kind of neat, right? Yeah. And some people are... Some people, some people are expert painters with logic. Mm. You know, they can, they can take your day down. Yeah, which are, you know, again, that goes back to the whole, you know, the, 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 because I, I, the place of logic as far as like debating of atheism or whatever, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's, I'm with you, but, but if you're, you know, you're lacking that warm, empathetic, uh, and have a high arrogance thing, it can be unlikable. Um, right. But I agree with that sentiment. <laughs> If you, your art, your art lacks soul. <laughs> your art lacks soul. You know, you know just yeah. uh, go into the old logic art gallery. Which you can apply to comedy. <laughs> you know, you can find comedians that are very, very funny, but don't really have anything to say. Yeah. You know? Whereas you can have, you know, I like to try and have something to say and and passion behind that point of view. Or you almost don't feel a person in there. Sometimes you see a guy who's really good one liner yep. guy and stuff, and you're exactly. like, exactly. You're like, yeah, yep. you're you're a good writer, yep. but. Uh, where's your soul, man? It's, it's like putting <laughs> you know? a quarter into the clown at the arcade yeah. and watching, you know? Yeah. I want to feel you, man. I, <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a casting couch I'm sitting on. Am I just going to take a dark turn at the end? <laughs> All right. And uh, last quote For we see many people who, neglecting logic, uh, remain ignorant of the meaning of their own speech. Yeah. So that's like, that's kind of, you know, talking from the hip. I would think talking jive, talking jive, <laughs> talking trash. You know, like uh, just kind of shooting off into whether they, you know, they want to appear to be well spoken or they don't want to. You know, some mm-hmm. people have a competitive edge where they can't be the loser in the con- conversation. Not uh, the loser, like ha ha, yeah. but the loser in that, like you know. Uh, did you know that uh, Francis Ford Coppola uh, did a movie called uh, Apocalypse Now? And you say, oh, yeah, did you see uh, Hearts of Darkness, that amazing documentary and what he went through on that? Like how much mm-hmm. stuff he went through? And did you know that you know the lead actor was on acid when he broke that window for real and that was real blood on his hand in the mirror or whatever? And they say, well, uh, yeah, I knew that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that, like uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, did you know that... Uh, that it cost ninety billion dollars, and that they uh, <laughs> they actually invaded Vietnam to get those helicopter scenes. You know, he's just making shit up. He, he doesn't want to be. You know. Yeah, I think that's what they're going for with that. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, sentence. those people are just generally also pretty, generally insecure in some way. Oh, sure. I think. Just, oh, that. Yeah. Just, I don't think it's. I wonder if if it comes from a point of arrogance. I mean, it's very different if um, if the guy is doing it because he wants to like one up you. 
But that's also insecurity, right? That's also insecurity. It comes that's back like, to it's basic nature, man. It's alpha male. It's it's fucking gorilla shit. It's you know, it's like, oh, I'm looking like a jerk in front of the lady gorilla. But there's I two better. people. There's the guy who's like uh the guy who's who's like really scared inside and he's like, I don't want this other guy to not think yeah. I'm cool. And so, those are comedians. You know. <laughs> <laughs> that's the guy with the banana yeah that's the monkey with the banana going have you noticed what what's up with trees <laughs> hey man it was uh, really really great meeting you this and, was and fun man thank you so much this is really cool thanks thank you for, for having me on yeah and and thanks for being here and and your record is on Stand Up Stand Records. Up Records. Yes, it's called Hostile Corporate Takeover. JT Haverson, the Altercation great name. Comedy Tour. Thanks. Uh, the great Raymond Pettibon of Black Flag did our art, which was awesome. awesome. That is awesome. And uh, uh, JTComedy.com has all my stuff because I will not make anyone spell my last name. <laughs> so go to <laughs> JTComedy.com for all my dates. Uh, at JT Stand Up is my stupid Twitter handle. And uh, TheRoadPodcast.com is my... Habersat? Habersat. You got it. Yeah. Nailed it. I still got Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> but no, man, this was awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Well, there you have it. That's our show for today. I want to thank, again, all of you for listening. Thank you for staying with the show. Thanks for staying with me. Sorry I took such a long break on you. And, of course, thank you to J.T. Haversat. And, by the way, right after the interview, he sent me a wonderful package with his book, his CD, which is available on stand-up records, of course, and a beginner's guide to Dungeons & Dragons, which I, I will admit I haven't played yet, but I want to. And I'm grateful that he sent it. And i got to say, what a guy. Great guy. And you got to go see him perform when he comes to your town. All right. That's it. That's it for now. I have a new show called The Mostly Bull Market on CBS's Play.it. It's also available on iTunes. It's kind of like this show, but instead of philosophy, uh, my guest and I talk about financial news and make fun of that. Something else I don't know about. And uh, <laughs> it's good. We're learning as we go, and it's, uh, it's every week. Whereas this one, I'm going to try and put out every other week right now, but in the meantime, that one's every week, so there's plenty of stuff to listen to. And I love hearing from you. Write into the comical at yahoo.com. Leave a nice comment, a nice review on iTunes. Five stars would be very nice if you could do that. Go to moderndayphilosophers.net where you can donate to the show. And until next time, that's all. I wish you guys a wonderful week and thank you for listening. Bye bye. <laughs>